Welcome to One of Those Times in a Life, sharing songs and stories around the virtual campfire. At this campfire, starting over. Taking chances, making changes, another small step down the line. Along the road I'm traveling, I'm not sure of what I'll find. I might hit a streak of losers, or by some chance just might win. All I know for certain is this time won't come again. And success might turn imposter, or failure satisfied. Something that's discovered somewhere deep inside. So when it's over, may I look back and see the ends were justified and understand the meaning of what it was to try. There's not too much between the winners and the losers. It's a fine line between the beggars and the choosers. Not far from being born to die in It's a long way from anywhere Once you give up trying That's the first verse and chorus of a song called The Winners and the Losers. The last few months of 1978 and the first few of 79 was a time of isolation separation and very little inspiration and I was sure I was a loser both personally and professionally it was hard to imagine a way forward or find reasons to get out of bed in the morning I felt embarrassed and paralyzed by shame filled with those feelings it was hard to reach out to friends many of them I hadn't seen for more than a year my folks were out of the country my brothers were busy, and they and their wives knew, and they liked my wife, and so I became hypersensitive whenever it appeared that they chose her over me. And although I still had no language for it, the family heritage of depression and anxiety was playing a role in how I was feeling. And all that negative energy kept growing until I didn't even want to be around myself. Most days the shades were drawn and the TV was on. And when I did get off the couch, there was that nagging question of what I would do or could do or should do next, like getting a job. I wrote a few songs and filled more sketchbooks. I made a trip to L.A. to see publishers who seemed to like what they heard but found nothing they could use. I gathered the best of 10 years of original song lyrics. I bound them into a book and I gave, them to, gave it to friends and family for Christmas. A neighbor took some publicity photos in case I got back into nightclub singing. I thought about going back to school or maybe going in and find a sales job. The highlight of most weeks was Saturday afternoon, when after watching professional bowling on ABC with Chris Schenkel and his sidekick Bo Burton, I got into the car and drove from Seattle to Tacoma, where my older brother and his wife lived. We'd have dinner and play low-stakes poker with a few of their friends. 
In later years, when my relationship with my brother was difficult and distant, those Saturday nights remained a remembered reservoir of goodwill. While I certainly didn't know it at the time, that long, dark winter contained many gifts and taught me things I couldn't or wouldn't learn any other way. There was time to grieve, losses, professional and personal. I learned on new levels, humility and and empathy. That darkness gave me a new appreciation for the simple, precious light of day. Gifts that to this day I, I value and yet too easily ignore and often overlook. When I was wrestling in high school, I thought I knew what the coach meant when he said, it's not a matter of how many times you fall down, but that you get back up that matters. That winter, I learned what those words can mean when you simply can't get up. And then the phone rang and spring came. So many nightclub hours And all of those words that rhyme May not have brought me closer To a goal I can't define There's a satisfaction Success may never know Staying a part of me No matter how it goes And Lord knows I may not make it Or even if I can But I'm thankful for the people Who have helped me understand That it's a long way from knowing yourself To somebody knowing your name And success, it's all around us It's called the loving of the game There's not too much between the winners and the losers It's a fine line between the beggars and the choosers Not far from being born to dying It's a long way from anywhere Once you give up trying Bob Flick called in early March and wondered if we could get together. He came to my place and talked about a six-week tour of Japan, including an appearance at the 8th Annual Tokyo Music Festival that had been arranged for the Brothers Four. It was scheduled to begin in the middle of June. John Payne could not be away from home that long, so Bob was wondering if I'd be willing to go in John's place. You know, I think I would. He then mentioned what sounded like an astronomical amount of money that each guy would be paid. I mumbled something. As he was leaving, we shook hands and talked about having our first rehearsal in a week or two. And after he left, I closed the door and let out a long sigh and started to cry. For this one tour, the group would consist of original members Bob Flick and Dick Foley, the guy that who'd replaced me, Bob Hayworth, and myself. 
We rehearsed at my house. Before the guys arrived, I opened the shades. The bantering and the give and take started that first day, and the feeling of camaraderie washed over me like a warm rain. Dick has always collected jokes, and every day it seemed like he had a new one to tell. And Bob is the most naturally funny person I have ever met. And one day we were talking about possibly running into Mormon missionaries when we played in Hokkaido. And with a straight face and without missing a beat, Bob said, Oh, that reminds me of that Mormon comedian Brigham Youngman. Take my wives, please, 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 please. And to this day, I don't know what I've laughed as hard or appreciated laughter more. In late May, McCoy, who is always looking for the next physical challenge, convinced me to be part of his team for the ski-to-sea race outside of Bellingham. For me, that meant paddling a canoe for over 20 miles. And the week before the tour started, the Seattle Supersonics won the NBA championship. And in a time before Microsoft, Grunge Music, Starbucks, or Amazon, the whole town was one brightly lit, joyous village. Touring in Japan has always been a special experience for the Brothers Four. The hotels we stay in are classier. The food is better and the travel easier. The group has a special place in the heart of most audiences there. People simply saw me as a member of the group as we checked into the Prince Hotel next to the Tokyo Tower to get ready for the 8th Annual Tokyo Music Festival. There were a number of acts from Asia that had been invited. The U.S. acts included Rita Coolidge, who was traveling with her mother and sister, though not with her husband, Chris Christopherson. David Soule, one of the stars of the Starsky and Hutch TV series, was starting a musical career, he was there, and so was Al Jarreau with his signature scarf and singing style. Sergio Mendez was also part of the festival that would take place at the Nippon Budokan, not far from the Imperial Palace. The lead-up to the event included four days of receptions, press conferences, TV shows, radio interviews, and rehearsals with the orchestra. I... Almost didn't know what to do with the disconnect between where I was at that moment and where I had been a few months earlier. The festival itself was promoted as a contest, although everyone won something, with Rita Coolidge taking home the grand prize. After the festival, the Brothers Four hit the road. For 26 shows in 25 cities in 31 days, it may be as far-reaching and ambitious a tour as the group has ever done. Twenty-one of those shows were the Canabo Lady 80s Tour, sponsored by Canabo Beauty Products. Each one of those shows included a contest that selected a woman from the audience to be the 80s lady. We traveled with an entourage that included four Japanese women singers who, who helped with the nightly contests. And the whole experience was tonic for my spirit. I was living in the moment and appreciating every moment. Where I'd been before this trip and where I was going after, it simply didn't matter. Each day had a sense of purpose and direction. 
I remember reading Shogun on the bullet train, looking up from time to time at the Japanese countryside, satiated and satisfied. Dick had recently married, and his wife Mary was making her first trip to Japan, and she and I bonded instantly. And while I'm mostly a meat and potatoes guy, I promised myself on that trip that no matter what was put in front of me, I would try everything at least once. And Mary said, well, she would try anything that I tried. (laughs) And so we laughed, and we made faces all over Japan both a little squeamish about things like the mini crustaceans that crawled around on the plate before we each popped one in our mouths and swallowed it whole. Bob Hayworth brought his young son Graham, so the whole tour was a family affair. And that year was the beginning of the video game craze. Space Invaders had just been released in Japan. It was so popular that the country had trouble keeping 100 yen coins in circulation, After a show, Bob Flick and I would often go in search of an arcade and play for an hour or so. It's the only video game I ever got any good at. For a long time, Bob had intimidated me, and those nights changed all of that. In the best of ways. With every day so affirming, I didn't want the tour to end. Though when it did... I kept going, because my parents wanted me to visit. And what would be simpler than going from Tokyo to Seattle by way of Pretoria, South Africa? Sometimes I start to wonder, what is all this trying for? Because it seems I'm spending so much of my time just rising from the floor. And as I look around, I see life, it isn't fair So full of frustration, sometimes I find it hard to care Oh, but then it dawns upon me And I'm thankful for the chance of seeing what I can in life And joining in the dance And the dance might form a circle to enclose a magic ring which just might give us the answer explaining everything there's not too much between the winners and the losers it's a fine line between the beggars and the choosers not far from being born to die It's a long way from anywhere Once you give up trying It took 40 hours to go from Tokyo to Pretoria, including a Paris to Pretoria leg on a DC-10, a few days after the DC-10 fleet had been returned to service following an investigation into a fatal crash in Chicago earlier in the year. In the middle of the night, the plane flew near a lightning storm over Central Africa. And I remember a father a few seats away talking gently to his kids as the lightning flashed and lit up the eerily quiet and darkened cabin. The plane arrived early. I watched my parents' car winding toward the airport from a mile away. 
We'd last seen each other as they crossed Ventura Boulevard to the strains of marching to Pretoria. Driving to Pretoria that morning, both of them talked about how much time they were spending together these days. They are good people who fell in love quickly and married compulsively. They had no money at the time, so they took care of nephews and nieces on their honeymoon, lived with another couple their first year of marriage, followed by a year when my dad was overseas because of the war, and the year after that was the time in the mental hospital. When I was born into that uncertain spring of 1947, my folks had been married three years, had two kids, while spending less than a week together, just the two of them. Their relationship became a blend of love and respect and commitment to each other and the family and their marriage vows. And now, after more than 30 busy, hectic years, my dad had retired from private medical practice to become a doctor in the Foreign Service, and with that, a chance for them to truly get to know themselves and each other. And it was fun to see how well they fit into the Foreign Service community. People loved my dad's laugh and my mom's curiosity. My dad was part of a poker group, They became best friends with another couple who taught them the foreign service ropes. And while they were respectful of the social structure, my folks were iconoclastic enough to not take any of it too seriously. My parents worked hard to show me South Africa. They set up meetings with embassy personnel to talk about U.S. attitudes toward the apartheid laws. I heard an anecdote about the Europeans bringing libraries with them when they settled America but only a Bible when they settled South Africa. There was a conversation with a white Afrikaner who wouldn't defend apartheid, but he did talk about how Americans dealt with their native populations by killing them and their black population by enacting Jim Crow laws. My folks and I took a road trip to Botswana, Lesotho, and Swaziland, where my dad looked in on Foreign Service employees, We visited a gold mine and a diamond mine. I learned that diamonds are found in the center of extinct volcanoes in a type of rock called kimberlite, named after the town of Kimberley in South Africa where diamonds were first mined in the 1870s. Through the years, I've used hard rock mining as a metaphor for life. We dig intricate tunnels, leaving behind tons of tailings, all for a few hoped-for precious stones or ounces of precious metal. My folks and I spent several days and nights in Kruger Park watching and listening to incomparable animal life. We drove from Pretoria to Cape Town through the Transvaal. For the only time in my life, I walked along the shore of the Indian Ocean We returned to Pretoria on the blue train as I reread Alan Payton's Cry, the Beloved Country, with Payton's Beloved Country going by just outside the window. There were incomparably warm and still nights where I would search the sky for the Southern Cross and always delight when I found it. Arrangements were made for me to meet a musician in the black township of Mamalodi. I was advised to scrunch down as we entered and left that township. 
I, I don't remember the musician's name, but I remember a picture of Wes Montgomery on the living room wall of the small dirt-floored house he shared with his wife and kids. And when I told him I was just a folk singer, he smiled and said, it's all music. And music is what we all made that night in a room filled with his friends and fellow musicians. And most important in that time in South Africa was a chance for me to begin facing important truths about myself as I prepared to go home and start my life again. I realized part of the shame I was feeling came from believing I had brought shame on the family. And it helped in the healing to hear my parents say out loud that that was not the case. I also recognized I needed to learn to explore and better explain my feelings. And the process began in tentative, small steps with my mother. Growing up, my relationship with her had been difficult and strained. And I was often filled with anger I couldn't explain. And I knew somehow to have healthier female relationships, I needed to have a better one with her. And so she and I made a verbal promise to find new and better places together. And 35 years later, with all our ups and downs, I, I realize it's a promise that we kept, kept together. And looking back, it's also clear how important it was to see my parents happy and seemingly without a care because two years later when I saw my dad again, he was facing a financial crisis that would bring him to his knees and force the family individually and together to face our biggest unspoken fears. There's not too much between the winners and the losers It's a fine line between the beggars and the choosers Not far from being born to dying It's a long way from anywhere Once you give up trying And then it was time to go home. The time away had given me a way to begin again. Because my friend Gary Drager had recently married and was willing to rent me his old place for a great price, I was moving into a new old house. Because someone had rear-ended and totaled my car the week before I left, I was driving a new used car. And then a few weeks after I got home, I started talking with a woman at a dinner party at the Draggers. And when we finally stopped talking, it was morning and time to start a new day. One of the things she said was that she'd heard success was having something to do someone to love and something to look forward to. And sharing a cup of coffee as the sun came up, I 
I thought, this feels like success. Maybe I'm not a loser after all. It's a long way from anywhere Once you give up trying Hope I never give up trying Thanks for sharing one of those times in a life At the next campfire, mad man on a high wire Hope to see you then.